Would you turn with me in your Bibles to John chapter 6, verse 60. John chapter 6, verse 60. Let's look at the verse. Verse 60 says, Therefore, when many of His disciples heard this, they said, This teaching is hard. Who can accept it? The teaching that is referenced here was the teaching of Jesus. The message of Jesus that comprises chapter 6, which we've already studied. And the message in chapter 6 from Jesus, the message that they're referencing, was that Jesus was the bread of life. He said that He was the true bread, the real bread that had come down from heaven. That was hard for them. They didn't like it. He said that His body, His flesh, was this bread of life. And that they must eat His flesh and drink His blood to have eternal life. They didn't like that either. That was very hard for them to understand. Speaking of hard... It's not that the teaching of Jesus here was hard to understand. That's not what the word hard means on this occasion. It's that the teaching of Christ, as you see by their second question, was hard to accept. Hard to believe. Hard to listen to. Hard in the sense of harsh. Some of us have the idea that people stay apart from Christ because of what they don't understand about Him. But in many cases, according to a passage like this one, it's not what people don't understand that keeps them from Christ. It's what people do understand that keeps them from Christ. Jesus has done all of this teaching, and their response is, this is hard. Hard to accept. And as we'll see later on in the passage, they just wouldn't accept it. And therefore, they would not receive Him as the bread of life. I want us to think this morning about how to handle the hard stuff. How to handle the hard stuff. How to handle the hard teaching of the Bible. In our culture, when we consider the previous teaching of Jesus in this passage, it's not His teaching on being the bread of life that's hard for us to excel. 
was hard for them because of their own particular cultural sensitivities. But in this preceding teaching of Jesus, what's hard for us to accept because of our culture and our preconceived notions is Jesus' teaching in John chapter 6 on election. Predestination, the sovereignty of God. What's hard for us to accept from His previous teaching is that we as people are unable to come to Christ on our own. That we are unwilling to come to Christ on our own. And difficult things from the Word of God aren't just found in this passage. When we come to the Bible, there are lots of things that are hard for us, that sound harsh. Hell, for instance. The judgment of God. The wrath of God. The Bible's teaching on sexuality is hard for the modern ear to listen to. The Bible's teaching on miracles is hard for many people to accept in our culture. The truth that Jesus is the only way to be saved is hard for many people to accept. The exclusivity of Christ. So that's what I'm talking about when I say we're going to spend time thinking this morning about how to handle the hard stuff. How do you handle the hard teaching of the Bible? There are hard teachings in the Bible. Our response would be maybe not exactly the same as what we find in verse 60, but related to it. But beyond handling the hard teaching of the Bible, I also want us to think this morning about how to handle just the hard stuff of life. Anyone here that's acquainted with hard stuff in life? I mean, literally, could I not start with KJ on this row and go right back down every person of every row and we could spend a lot longer than I normally preach going around the congregation and hearing testimony after testimony of hard stuff that you either have dealt with in your life or hard stuff that you are dealing with, that we are dealing with in our lives. How do you handle that? For the answers, let's read all of the text now. Once more, beginning in verse 60. Therefore, when many of His disciples heard this, they said, This teaching is hard. Who can accept it? Jesus, knowing in Himself that His disciples were complaining about this, asked them, Does this offend you? Then what if you were to observe the Son of Man ascending to where He was before? The Spirit is the one who gives life. The flesh doesn't help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and are life. But there are some among you who don't believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning those who would not believe 
and the one who would betray him. He said, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted to him by the Father. From that moment, many of his disciples turned back and no longer accompanied him. Therefore, Jesus said to the twelve, You don't want to go away too, do you? Simon Peter answered, Lord, who will we go to? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. Jesus replied to them, Didn't I choose you, the twelve? Yet one of you is the devil. He was referring to Judas, Simon Iscariot's son, one of the twelve, because he was going to betray him. From this passage, I want us to see five ways to handle the hard stuff. Five ways to handle the hard stuff. The hard stuff from the Bible. The hard stuff from life. Five ways to handle the hard stuff. First way. You take the chip off your shoulder. You take the chip off your shoulder. Now, I know some of you are thinking. I don't see anything about a chip here. For you techno geeks, I'm not talking about computer chips either. Look at verse 61. Jesus, knowing in himself that his disciples were complaining about this. You see that? He didn't hear their complaints. Maybe they didn't even verbalize their complaints. Or if they did, they did it very quietly. Jesus, though, because He was God, knew of their complaints. He knew of their objections, every one of them. And based on His knowledge of what they were thinking, He asked them the question, Does this offend you? It's from this that I say that the first way that we handle the hard stuff is by taking the chip off our shoulder. And what I mean by that is, Jesus here references their being offended at what He had said. And the way we handle the hard stuff is, don't be so easily offended. Couldn't we all agree that there are things that we are offended by that never should offend us? Certainly it's that way when we come to the Word of God and find ourselves offended or bothered by parts of it. Don't look for reasons to be offended. Because if you do, you'll be offended. In the Word and in the world. Don't look for reasons to complain. 
you will find many about others, about the Word of God, about yourself. Not handling the hard stuff. When I say handling it, I mean surviving it. Not surviving the hard stuff is the result of this. It's the result of us having a chip or chips on our shoulder or shoulders. And in many cases, we don't even know that the chip is there, but the hard stuff of life exposes our chips. It has a way of revealing them. And when we encounter something hard, either in the Bible or in life, and that chip that we have is exposed, the way that we handle the hard stuff is taking the chip off. And if there's more than one, we take all of them off. Take the chip off your shoulder when it comes to the hard stuff from the Word of Christ. We should know that if we are offended by the words of Christ, the fault does not lie with the words of Christ. The problem is not with the message or the teaching of Jesus or the Bible. The problem is with us. Take the chip off your shoulder when it comes to the hard stuff of life. Part of handling the hard stuff is accepting that hard stuff is a part of the Bible. That we're going to find it in there. Part of handling the hard stuff in life is accepting that it will be a part of life. We should believe it. We should hear it. When it comes to hard stuff, the reason some of us have such difficulty in dealing with it is we're like the child who sticks his or her fingers in their ears and says, I'm not going to listen to this. I'm not going to listen to this. And all along, God has been saying, there's hard stuff in life. Hear it. It doesn't matter whether you listen to it or not. Hear it. It's a part of life. Therefore, we should expect it. And be prepared for it when it comes. Or when we find it in Scripture. Listen, brothers and sisters, the Bible is offensive. There's no way around it. Being as human as we are, even as believers, still having big time traces of humanity and flesh within us, and living in the world that we live in, the Bible is offensive. There is much in the Bible that cuts right across the grain of what we are naturally and what we think naturally and certainly the way the, the world feels about things. And as one who has been given the task of sharing the offensive Word of God with people, I would remind you of the cliche, don't shoot the messenger. Now listen, I'll be the first to admit. There are times that I have offended people and it's my fault. And I may have done that with you and I'm sorry. 
I can say things poorly sometimes. I can say things without thinking sometimes. Uh, I can be insensitive sometimes. I could do a better job of presenting the truth or wording the truth. And, and I know that. And I, I'm aware of it. And it, it bothers me. But over the years, there's a lot that I've said behind this pulpit or one like it that has offended people. And their offense wasn't at me. It wasn't merely with what I said. Their offense was with what God said. And I can't help that. There's no amount of preparation that will remove all of the offensiveness of the Bible from our minds and from our ears and from our hearts. It just will never be that way. A number of years ago, I read a pastor writing to pastors, and he asked us pastors the question, have you gotten any hate mail lately? Then his next question was, why not? I think the idea was that if anyone faithfully preaches and teaches the Word of God, there will be those who are offended by it. And it's not just that the Bible is offensive. Life is offensive. All of us have had things happen to us in our lives that have offended us. That have bothered us. Things that are hard to accept. Things that are hard to explain. Things that are hard to understand. And it's not simply that way with one of us or a few of us. Life is offensive to virtually everyone, again, because of who we are. But you know, neither the Bible nor life should offend us. Because we live in a fallen world. And the cause of much of the offense is living in this fallen world. And then you add to it, we are fallen people. Not just generally, but individually. We're all fallen. And fallen people are easily offended. On top of this, neither the Bible nor life should offend us. Because both the Bible and life are from God. Right? He's the author of the Bible. He's the one who organizes and is in control over every aspect of life. And whatever we get from either the Bible or life is from God and it's ultimately for our good. Just talking plainly for a minute, and I'll start with numero uno. Do you know what we need to handle the hard stuff better? Let's be real honest. We just need to get tougher. We need to get spiritually tougher. 
we need to become a little less sensitive to all of these things that so easily offend us. And speaking of taking the edge off of that illegitimate sensitivity and speaking of becoming spiritually tougher, do you know how God does both? With hard stuff. It's His purpose for hard stuff in our life, or at least one of them. So the first way to handle the hard stuff, you take the chip off your shoulder. Second way, you look to Jesus. When I say you look to Jesus, from verse 62 that we'll look at in just a moment, I mean you look to something better. There's always something better in our lives than just the hard stuff. Amen? And if nothing else, then the one thing that we have in our lives as believers that's always better than even the hardest of the hard stuff is Jesus. And He's way better. Now look at verse 62. Jesus says, then what if you were to observe the Son of Man ascending to where He was before? You know, He's just asked Him, has my statement about me being the bread of life and eating my flesh and drinking my blood, and of course we understand from last week He's talking about we do that by faith. He's just asked, does that offend you? Then then would this offend you? What if you saw me ascending back to heaven where I came to the earth from in the first place. This is where I'm getting, we look to something better. We look to Jesus. Jesus points them to something better. We look to what reveals the identity of Jesus. And what He points them to for revealing His identity is His upcoming ascension. The Son of Man had come from heaven, the eternal second person in the Trinity, to the earth as the the man that we know as Jesus, born to the Virgin Mary. And He had lived a perfect life that satisfied the demands of God, and He was. And He was going to the cross to be lifted up, and He would be crucified and die. And then He would rise again on the third day. And then after a number of days, Jesus would ascend back to His Father in heaven. Jesus basically says, if you saw Me do this, that wouldn't offend you. I mean, everyone would have been lining up and saying, if they got to see the ascension of Jesus back to heaven, right in front of their eyes, this is the Christ. This is the Messiah. Why then were they offended by His teaching that He was the bread of life? Because while the ascension would have clearly revealed Him as the Son of God and the promised Messiah, His teaching they couldn't grasp because they couldn't see past His humanity. And that's why they didn't receive His teaching. All Jesus was to them was the son of an ordinary carpenter. That's all. From a bad area of the country. 
And because of that, they would hear nothing of what He said. And this can happen with us. A big help in handling the hard stuff is to realize that when we encounter hard stuff in the Word of God, these are the words of Christ, and Christ is God. And if God speaks, it's our obligation to listen and believe. And a big part of handling the hard stuff of life is to realize that as God, nothing gets to us past Jesus. Apart from His approval, or apart from being a part of His plan. Jesus points them to His ascension. And He points us to His ascension. Do you know what the ascension in turn points us to? The return of Christ. Acts chapter 1, when we read the account of Jesus ascending back to His Father in heaven, the Bible says that those gathered disciples, there it was about 120 of His, of his followers, His Believers, they looked on and they were staring into the sky and the angel said to them, you know, don't stand here for the rest of time looking up in the clouds. In the same way that you've just seen Him leave, He's going to come again. Jesus made that same connection between His ascension and His return in John chapter 14 that we'll get to eventually, maybe in the next five years or so. And he said, if I go and prepare a place for you, that's the ascension, I will come again. The reason our minds are to be taken to not only the ascension, but beyond it to the return of Christ is because, folks, that's when it will get better. Are you with me? I know when it comes to hard stuff, all that we really want is for the hard stuff to stop. But even if the hard stuff you're dealing with in your life right now goes away, that doesn't mean that that's the end of hard stuff in this life. Hard stuff is like the waves of the ocean. They're one after another. When we're thinking about the end of the hard stuff, if you think it's ever going to happen in this life, you're always going to be disappointed. The return of Christ is when it's going to get really better. That's when our best life will be. Believer, don't look for reasons to be offended. For that matter, unbeliever, don't look for reasons to be offended or to complain. Look for reasons to be encouraged and strengthened. And just as you'll find reasons to complain and to stumble if you look for them, if you look for reasons to be encouraged, you'll find them too. Look to Jesus. It's why Hebrews 12.2 says, Keeping our eyes on Jesus. Look to Jesus the source and the perfecter of our faith. If you want to know how to handle the hard stuff, look to Jesus. He has handled the hardest stuff. And to take it a step further, He has done so, so that we don't have to handle the hardest stuff that there is. 
mean, we think it's hard. Do you know it could be much harder? How about the, the full-blown, full-bore wrath of God? Jesus has taken that. He's handled that. So that that would be hard stuff we'd never have to handle. Keeping our eyes on Jesus, the source and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that lay before Him endured the cross. We handle the hard stuff as we place our focus on Christ and His return. And there's great joy there. Perfect joy. There won't be any more hard stuff then. And after doing that, Christ, it says, sat down at the right hand of God's throne. And there will come a day when we will gather around the very throne of God and praise Him. We'll all be done with troubles and trials. All the hard stuff. One of our hymns says, Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in His wonderful face. And the things of earth, even the hard stuff, will grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. Friend, do you know that Jesus is in the hard stuff? Jesus is in the hard stuff of the Bible. It's about Him. It was here. Their problem was they couldn't see the forest for the trees. They couldn't see that Jesus was talking about Himself as the Messiah and how He would suffer so that they could have life if they would receive and feed on Him through faith. Jesus is in the hard stuff of life. Philippians 1.29 says, It has been granted to us as believers not only to believe in Christ, but also to suffer with and for Him. Jesus is in the hard stuff. In fact, we could say biblically that Jesus is nowhere more present and more real than in the hard stuff of our lives. Philippians 3.10 says, My goal is to know Him. And the power of His resurrection. And for many, that's a life verse. Just that first part of it. I want to know Jesus and the power of His resurrection. But you do know there's more to Philippians 3.10 than just knowing Him and the power of His resurrection. It goes on to say, and the fellowship of His sufferings. Jesus is in the hard stuff. We all want the resurrection. But there's no resurrection apart from crucifixion. And we're conformed to Christ as we are crucified with Him and suffer with Him in our lives. The second way to handle the hard stuff, you look to Jesus, you look to something better. Third way, you depend on the Spirit. Third way we handle the hard stuff, you depend on the Spirit. Look at verse 63. Jesus says there, the Spirit is the one who gives life. The flesh doesn't help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and are life. 
We handle the hard stuff through depending on the Spirit instead of depending on ourselves. And can't we be guilty of that? Aren't we sometimes guilty of that? We face the hard stuff and we start doing and we start planning and we start scheming and we start worrying and we start fretting. Jesus said in verse 63, the second part, the flesh doesn't help at all. And specifically from the context here, He's referring to these unbelievers that are rejecting Him and doing so in spite of what He's taught and in spite of the miracles that He's done in front of them and for them. And in the face of their continued offense and complaints, Jesus tells them, the flesh won't help save you at all. Only the Spirit can give you life. Going back to what we've seen in John 6 already and in the Gospel of John already, that for spiritual life to exist, it takes the Spirit of God to create it. There's nothing anyone can do within themselves to manufacture it. That's what Jesus meant when He was talking with Nicodemus and He said in John 3, 6, the flesh gives birth to flesh. But the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. The Spirit gives life. That's what He says at the first part of verse 63. The Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God, the very Spirit of Christ, He is the one who gives life. He's the one who gives initial spiritual life. If we have the very life of God that the Bible calls eternal life, it's because the Spirit of God has given it to us, apart from us doing anything. Jesus said to Nicodemus in John chapter 3, verses 7 and 8, Don't be amazed that I told you you must be born again. The wind blows where it pleases and you hear its sound, but you don't know where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. So if we have that life, it's because the Spirit has given it to us. But He doesn't just give it to us initially. He's continually giving it to every believer. Giving us life for this day and the next day. And life as we live, even in conditions of death, Dealing and handling the hard stuff. Did you notice in verse 63 how the Spirit gives life? Well, this is super important. Some people think of the Spirit giving life as some mystical thing that we seek in a mysterious sort of way and it's supplied in a mysterious sort of way. Listen, according to this verse, it's not nearly as mysterious as we might think it is. Verse 63, the last part says... The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and are life. The Spirit of God gives life through the very words of Christ. He gives initial spiritual life and continuing spiritual life through the words of the Gospel. Through the words of the Bible. Through the Word of God, which is Christ Himself. 
If you want to be fed on the words of Christ and find life in them, then feed on the Bible. To depend on the Spirit is to depend on the Word. Listen, folks. The Spirit of God does not give life in any form apart from the Word of Scripture. It's how He works. And if you're seeking spiritual life or maintaining spiritual life outside of feeding and being fed from the Word of God, you're eating spiritual potato chips. So we must feed on the Word. To to depend on the Spirit is to depend on the Word. The key to handling the hard stuff is to feed on the Word of God. I'll tell you what it does. Feeding on the Word makes the Bible less hard. Are there those who could testify to that? The Bible used to seem harder to me than it does now. But I've spent some time in it. And it's not quite as hard. Beyond that, feeding on the Word of God will make less of the Bible hard. You won't be offended by so much within it. And the way it does this is the Bible softens us. And that's the real issue. The reason we're offended by anything in the Word of God is because we are hard spiritually. And feeding on the Word softens us. In addition to this, feeding on the Word makes us strong. It makes us tough. When the hard stuff of life happens, it spiritually nourishes us. But the crowd here, the Jews who rejected Christ, did not depend on the Spirit. Look at verses 64 and 65. Jesus said, but there are some among you who don't believe. You can hang out around Jesus and the people of Jesus like these that are called His disciples, and it means just those that were physically around Him. But Jesus knows if you really believe or not. He can see right through all of our charades and all of our put-ons. And maybe better than any people in the world, in our culture, we have mastered the art of looking like Christians while being far, far removed from Christ in our hearts. But Jesus isn't fooled. He said, I know that there are some among you who don't believe, and parenthetically, John adds here, he knew from the beginning those who would not believe, and he knew the very one who would not believe and who would betray him, that one being Judas. Verse 65, he said, This is why I told you that no one can come to me, no one can believe on me, unless it is granted or given to him by the Father. And where had he told them that before? Well, immediately prior to this in John chapter 6, verses 37 through 44, thereabouts. All that the Father has given to me will come to me, and the one who comes to me I will never cast him out. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. All that come to me will have been taught by God, and all of the taught will come to me. 
And that one will have eternal life. Again, he's emphasizing that while we must respond to Christ in faith, that left to our own, we would never do so. That God must do. The Father grants and He draws through His Spirit. And He keeps granting and keeps drawing us through His Spirit. It's why we must depend on that Spirit. So the third way to handle the hard stuff, you depend on the Spirit. Fourth way, you don't quit. It's a good time to come to don't quit right now because this is about quitting time for most of us. But hear the words of Scripture, you don't quit. That sounds sort of uh, trivial. How do you handle the hard stuff? Well, here's some rocket science for you. You don't quit. You don't quit. Verse 66. From that moment, many of His disciples turned back and no longer accompanied Him. Never again. You handle the hard stuff by not quitting. Like the disciples here who weren't true disciples, as evidenced by their departure from Christ. When you read disciples here, don't think of the apostles. That's different. Disciples was a word that was used generally to refer to anyone who physically followed another or who counted themselves among the students of another. But throughout John thus far, we have seen that there are different kinds of disciples. True disciples, false disciples. Later on, this same apostle would write in his first epistle, 1 John chapter 2, verse 19, They went out from us, but they didn't belong to us. For if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us. However, they went out so that it might be made clear that none of them belongs to us. In a couple of chapters in the Gospel of John, we'll read the words of Jesus from chapter 8, verse 31, when He says, If you continue in My Word... You are my disciples indeed. But if you don't, the implication is you're not at all. Those who belong to Christ will follow Him. They will continue to follow Him. They will persevere in the faith. In our modern mindset of evaluating spiritual things and the things of God, many would look at this and see this as an Abject failure on the part of Jesus because He ran everybody off. But the problem here wasn't Jesus. The problem here wasn't the message or the teaching or the Gospel or how He presented it. The problem here was people. And that's always the problem. It's us. It's the same today. When people fall away from the faith, and from the people of God, the problem is never the Bible. The problem is never the preaching. The problem is never the preacher, or very rarely the preacher. It, it sometimes is. It's the people, including preachers. When it comes to quitting, have you ever heard Churchill's? Commencement address to Harvard. Flown all the way over. Paid a great honorarium. 
He got up to deliver the commencement address at Harvard. And do you know what he said? Just this. Don't ever give up. And after saying it about five times, he sat down, collected his check, and left. The president of Wheaton College once said, It's always too soon to quit. You think about that the next time you're considering quitting. It's always too soon to quit. The gospel spiritual song says, Hold on, my child. Joy comes in the morning. Weeping may last for the night, but joy comes in the morning. Child of God, you hang on when you encounter hard stuff. And when you can't hang on, you know that God is hanging on to you. Press on when you encounter the hard stuff in the Bible and in life. Consider that great cloud of witnesses that surrounds us from Hebrews 11 and chapter 12. And endure and run your race with patience. The fourth way to handle the hard stuff, you don't quit. Now the fifth and final way. You realize that Jesus is all there really is. The way that you handle the hard stuff is by realizing that Jesus is all there really is. Now look at verses 67 and 68. Therefore Jesus said to the twelve, you don't want to go too, do you? And Simon Peter, as he was accustomed to doing, spoke on behalf of the group. And you know, sometimes he spoke wrongly on behalf of the group, but this time he spoke wisely. Lord, who will we go to? You have the words of eternal life. And we have come to believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. By realizing that Jesus is all there really is, we come to that conclusion as we understand that there's nowhere else to go. There's no one else to go to. I mean, honestly, if you're considering leaving Christ or remaining apart from Christ, honestly, do you think you're going to find someone better than Jesus? I mean, that's a fair question. You want to sign up for Muhammad or Buddha? Last time I checked, they're both dead. Not Jesus. Did you know even the Buddhists and even the Muslims have to deal with hard stuff? they got hard stuff in their sacred writings and in their life. It's true of all religions that, that switching religions doesn't eliminate the hard stuff. It's even true of those who would say they have no religion, which in and of itself is a religion. They deal with hard stuff too. Over the years, I've encountered many people who have fallen away, who have become offended by something that happened in their life or something that they found in the Word of God. And, and they, they leave God. They leave Christ. They're going to punish God for being mean to them. And the question that I've always asked is, who are you really hurting? You think you're punishing God? No, you're punishing yourself. You're hurting yourself. 
And by leaving, do you seek to eliminate the hard stuff? Because very quickly they find that it's still there. Peter said, in realizing that Jesus is all there really is, only you have the words of eternal life. Only you. Only you have the words that will sustain us through the hard stuff. Folks, there are other things that may help you temporarily, but only Jesus can help you forever. When I say that we must realize that Jesus is all there really is, what I'm really talking about is faith. This is faith. Realizing that Jesus is all there really is. We have come to believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. Faith is how we handle the hard stuff. Faith is the victory. And faith leads to knowledge or certainty. Peter said we have come to believe and know. Not know and believe, not see and believe, but believe and see. Or believe and know. And yet this is why the crowd didn't know. And this is why even all of the apostles didn't get it. Look at the last two verses. Jesus replied to them, Didn't I choose you, the twelve? And He had. And yet one of the ones He had chosen was a devil. Lost as could be and always would be. And it demonstrates to us that there have always been those, even among the closest to Christ, that don't really belong to Him. He was referring to Judas because he would betray him. The fifth way to handle the hard stuff, you realize Jesus is all there really is. Well, I took a long way to get here, but we've gotten here. And here is this question, are you dealing with hard stuff in your life? You don't even have to shake your head. I know the answer. Are you dealing with hard stuff in your life from the Bible? In your life. Five ways to handle it. You take the chip off your shoulder. You look to Jesus, something better. You depend on the Spirit. You don't quit. And you realize that Jesus is all there really is. You can handle the hard stuff. Jesus in you can handle the hard stuff. I guess that leaves us with the question, is Jesus in you? Are you sure? Do you have His life in you? His life is Christ living in you and through you? If not, or if you're not certain of that, you can be certain as you turn from your sins and trust on Jesus to save you. He is Lord and Savior, and in His life, death, and resurrection... He has done all that would ever need to be done for your sins to be forgiven and for you to have eternal life. Trust on Jesus. Keep trusting on Jesus. This is really how we handle the hard stuff. Would you stand with me and bow your heads and close your eyes?